Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Empire City's podcast. I'm going to start with the Giants and Eagles from last night. We finally saw Eli Manning back in for the first time in like, seems like forever. And he didn't play that bad, to be honest with you. Once again, obviously, there's no offensive line for him. So like, there was no surprise that he was getting sacked as many times as he did last night. But like, at the same time, you have to remember this now. Out of all the games that Eli Manning has started, when had when did he have a true offensive line? I couldn't tell you when he had a true offensive line. After the two Super Bowls that he won against the Patriots. After that I'm talking about now. When did he have a legit offensive line? I don't think he had one. I don't think he had one. Not one. And you expected him to just... And you just basically told him to go out there and like... Hey, it is what it is. Do what you could do. And that's it. It was nice to see him have a couple of TDs last night. But, oh man. His career record as a starting quarterback now... Is 116 and 117. So that means that he's under 500 as a starting quarterback. It sucks. It That part makes him look bad from a career point of view. But with that two Super Bowls over the Patriots, tops it. And he's definitely a Hall of Fame quarterback. I know Stephen A. Smith said that he doesn't think he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, which is I find is fucking insane. You can't... How do you say something like that? That guy played his ass off throughout his career. Beat a team that was undefeated one season. They were... They, I want to say they were 18-0 heading into the Super Bowl. That's insane. And he took down a team that was 18-0. And, he brought, and the Giants were 9-7 that year. They were a wild card team that year. And they won the Super Bowl. That was unbelievable. Just things don't happen like that today anymore. They just don't happen. He didn't have, like I said before, he didn't have an offensive line. He really didn't have that much talent on the team after, after the Super Bowl wins. You look at it. Who did, they really, who did he really have? I don't think he... But he had... Obviously, Odell Odell came eventually. But, like, that didn't last long. Now, you're looking at a running back point. And that's Barkley, obviously. But, like, the off, once again, I'm going to the offensive line now. There's, there's nothing there. Nothing there. And he's just continuing to get sacked throughout his career. It's unbelievable. But, now... What that game meant for the Eagles. They are... What are they now? They're 6-7 and seven now, the Eagles? Yeah, I think they're 6-7 and seven now. Jeez, that, the NFC East is atrocious. Oh my God. i never seen a worse division in football than the NFC East. How do you have all four teams sucking? All four teams. Oh, man. That just gets me frustrated. If I was a Redskins fan, an Eagles fan, or even a Cowboys fan. And like the Eagles fans are so happy that they got the win last night. It's like you should have beat the Giants by a lot more. It, it sh- the game should have never went into overtime. You beat them 23-17. That's a one possession game. It should have never happened. That game should have never been that close. Eli hasn't played in, in fucking forever. And all of a sudden, he just went into Philadelphia and played his ass off and almost beat the Eagles on the road. 
Now, what that tells about Carson Wentz, he's just an average quarterback. That's it. Not even I wouldn't even say average. I think he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I, obviously, I think Baker Mayfield's the worst quarterback right now, but one guy's that above him is definitely Carson Wentz. The guy can't play. He just can't play. And the amount of injuries he's had so far in his career, I don't. he hasn't bounced back from it at all. He hasn't shown me that he's a legit starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, the Eagles had just this running back who was number four on their depth chart going back into preseason, actually. Yeah, going back into the preseason. He was number four on their depth chart running back, Boston Scott. Man, the guy had 10 carries, went for 59 yards. The guy had a freaking career game career game the Giants defense made him look like he was one of the best running backs in the league and I'm confused with the Eagles here what their thought process was you have a legit number one running back in rookie Miles Sanders and you he was doing good when he was in the game and out of nowhere you just decide to take him out and okay let's roll with Boston Scott and Jay Ajayi. I just don't understand what the thought process was there. Those guys haven't touched the ball for the most part of this year. It was mainly Sanders and Jordan Howard. And now you just include these two out of nowhere? I don't know what the thought process is. I think every single coach in the NFC East is fired after this year personally I think obviously Pat Shermer's definitely gone Jason Garrett's 100% gone and I'm leaning towards Doug Peterson being fired too just because another failure season it's just like how do you have four teams in the NFC East all bad as of right now there's a chance that all four teams could have 10 or more losses that's absolutely insane because if, let's just say, the Eagles, well, actually the Eagles and Dallas play each other head-to-head, so that wouldn't work out. But still, somehow there's a team that could have nine losses in that division and possibly win the division somehow. That's absolutely insane. NFC East is the weakest division in the NFL, and it just has to be fixed. Now, going back to my team, the Giants... The whole coaching staff is gone. Now they're officially uh, they're two and eleven after last night's loss. They hold the number two overall pick. All signs point to drafting Chase Young out of Ohio State. And now I get this question every single day from people: What's the next move for the Giants? Well, they're wiping out the whole entire coaching staff, so you won't see anybody from that coaching staff next year. I can promise you that. Now going to the general manager, Dave Gettleman, as of right now, he's in serious trouble regarding his job security. What? He went and got out Leonard Williams from the Jets for a third round pick, which is next year's pick, I think. It's a, yep, next year's pick. It's a third rounder, and I think it's a 2021 
fifth rounder you trade as well. For Leonard Williams, who's a free agent after this season. I, and this guy wants huge money now. He says that he's not coming back to the Giants if he doesn't get top tier money. The guy can't even get to the quarterback. So how's he going to get paid big money? Now, Gettleman just basically fucked us over now. Because you lost a third round pick for next year. That could be a valuable pick for an offensive tackle that you could have used there. In my opinion, that was the last straw for him. That was the last straw as being the GM of the Giants. It's time to move on. Get a new GM. I like Lewis Riddick a lot. You got to start fresh. This organization needs to start fresh. And you can't use the word rebuild in New York. There's no such thing as rebuild in this market. This is a big time market. You can argue who's number one between New York and uh, L.A. So we'll see what happens there. Just not looking good for the Giants right now. And it's not looking good for most New York sport teams right now. Moving on to some news regarding Garrett Cole. There's some people saying that he could get the $300 million contract that he originally wanted. So that could go around eight years, $300 million possibly. Or it could go seven years, $300 million. Uh, there was one really, really weird contract that I heard that could happen was possibly nine years, $324 million. And that's crazy money to me for him is because he's acting like he's a, a position player and you shouldn't be playing a pitcher $324 million. That's ridiculous. For nine years, that's way too long for a pitcher. I don't care what anybody says. That's outrageous. You just don't pay him that. I will, I'm willing to pay him the seven years, 280 to, to, what was it, 280 to $300 million. I'm willing to do that. It's just $324 million is a huge stretch in my opinion. I want to have some financial flexibility with the Yankees too after this deal with Garrett Cole if they definitely sign him. I don't want to be pinned in the freaking hole here with giving him a nine-year $324 million contract. Then you can't make any other trades to improve your team in 2020 where you need to win a World Series. I just find it ridiculous with that point. I, I can't right now. So, right now, it's the Yankees and Angels. I haven't heard much from anybody else, really. I haven't even heard the Dodgers offer yet. If I don't even know if they offered him anything. They were reportedly interested in him. I don't even know if they offered him a contract, so I'm just assuming it's the Yankees and Angels. Now, I want to know how you feel about this. If Cashman doesn't sign Cole and he offered him that, let's just say, eight years, 300 or eight years, 310, and Cole decides to go to the Angels, are you blaming Cashman for not getting Cole? 
personally, I wouldn't blame him because there's nothing you could do about that to that point. Like, you're persuading him to come to the biggest market and saying, hey, we desperately need you. We need you to be our number one guy. We need you to be our ace. And we're willing to give you what you want. So, Garrett Cole, to this point, he knows he's in a position to win. Especially with the Yankees. Just because he knows the Yankees desperately need him. And if the Yankees don't get him, that means that they're in trouble for next year regarding starting pitching. Because if you look at who's your plan B, you're going to bring in what, Madison Bumgarner? I don't think Madison Bumgarner would fit New York. How about... People would say, Dallas Keuchel maybe? I don't think he would fit New York either. There's just some guys that are out there that just won't even fit the Yankees. Personally, I think it's just Garrett Cole right now. And possibly, people have been saying, trade a couple prospects to Cleveland for Corey Kluber. Corey Kluber was hurt all of last year, basically. So you're relying on him to give you seven innings every single start? I just don't know about that. Personally, I think that Garrett Cole is your guy. And if you don't get him, then this offseason is a failure, obviously. Then you got to look elsewhere for starting pitching. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough then. Just because I don't see guys like Bumgarner and Keiko fitting well here. Now, possibly moving on to the bullpen for the Yankees. Dylan Batanzas looks like he's not coming back. I'm convinced that he's not coming back here. Possibly he's going to the Phillies to reunite with uh, Joe Girardi. So... Where do the Yankees go from here with their bullpen? Well, the Yankees still have a stacked bullpen. They still have Adam Adovino, Aroldis Chapman, Zach Britton. They still have Chad Green in there. I don't think the Yankees are in trouble, obviously. They lose Batances, it's not that big of a loss. You could just go sign another guy out there. Maybe a possibly Blake Trinan, someone like that, if you want to replace him like that. You could always trade for someone else. Maybe I've been hearing Yankees linked to Kansas City. With Tim Hill. He's the left-hander for the Royals. I wouldn't mind getting him. You need another lefty in that bullpen. I wouldn't mind getting him. Now, Didi Gregorius. It looks like he's not taking a multi-year contract. He's looking towards a one-year deal, possibly. So then he could reestablish his market value... Heading into next year's offseason. Teams right now in a one-year deal I'm looking at are the Phillies, the Brewers, and possibly the team that drafted him was the Cincinnati Reds. That's another possibility. I hate to see Didi go. I love Didi. But I don't see him being a Yankee in 2020. Just because the infield's kind of a log jam right now. You got Gio at third. Shortstop's going to be Glaber Torres. 
Second baseman is DJ LeMahieu. And then at first you got Luke Voigt. And now I'm leading into what does that mean for Miguel Andujar? Well, there's plenty of teams that are interested in Andujar right now. The question is that are the Yankees getting what they want in return? Are they hearing what they want? Or they're going to have to wait for a little bit. So, so far, Andujar posted a bunch of videos how he's recovering from his surgery last year. So, that obviously is building up his trade, his trade value for teams like the Texas Rangers, who need a third baseman. Who else could use one? Uh, the Washington Nationals now could use a third baseman because they're losing Anthony Rendon. So that's another possibility. Maybe I could throw in Atlanta as well because Josh Donaldson may leave. That's another possibility there. We'll see what the Yankees could get for Andujar. It's going to be interesting. We'll see. Now, Steven Strasburg. This was a no-brainer for me. This was a must-resign for the Washington Nationals. They got Strasburg back on a seven-year, $245 million contract. That was a must for the Nationals. They got their ace back. The owner came out saying a couple weeks ago that we're either going to sign Strasburg or Rendon. We can't afford both. So obviously they went with the starting pitcher, Steven Strasburg. You need to keep that pitching staff intact because you have still that three-headed monster. You have Strasburg, Max Scherzer, and Patrick Corbin. So you could always get a replacement third baseman. Andrew Hoare fits the Nationals. If Josh Donaldson definitely leaves the Braves, he could be another possibility. There's other guys out there that could replace Anthony Rendon. Well, don't get me wrong. Donaldson and Andrew are nowhere close to Anthony Rendon. And Anthony Rendon is a great player. But you just can't afford guys who are asking for $200 million contracts. You can't afford all that. There's just no way, especially coming off a World Series title. Now, where do I think Anthony Rendon will go? It all depends on what happens. There has to be some other movements regarding Josh Donaldson and, once again, Andujar. It all depends on where those two guys could be placed. Anthony Rendon could go back home to the Texas Rangers and sign a nice seven-year contract, $200-plus million. He could go to the Phillies. Or, hmm, where else could he go? Possibly an interesting team is the Dodgers, I think. Because if they let go of Justin Turner, that third base spot's going to open up for Rendon. Or they can move Justin Turner to first base and, and slide Anthony Rendon to third. And then that kicks out basically the shortstop Corey Seager. They would have to trade him. As there was reports that he could get traded. We'll see what happens. I doubt he gets traded, but you never know. And going back to a potential replacement for Anthony Rendon in Washington, I think is uh, Chris Bryant. The Cubs third baseman. Cubs are looking to get rid of some pieces, shred some payroll, 
Chris Bryant could be on the move this winter, and I could see him going to Washington in a trade. That would be a perfect spot for Bryant. And I think it could be a good spot for the Phillies as well. He, he would fit well. He gets along with Bryce Harper. He's really close friends with Bryce Harper. So the mm -hmm. Phillies could be a possibility. But we'll see what happens. We are on, let's see, we're on today's Tuesday. So we're on day three of the winter meetings. I'm hoping the next time I come on here, I could tell you some Garrett Cole's news that he signed with the team. Hopefully it's the Yankees. Hopefully there's more moves that I could share with you guys. And I look forward to it. Have a good one.